HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network at Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45. Join, as usual, in the studio with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing? Good. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. And, of course, we got Jack in the engineering booth. Hello. And special guests in the studio today. We have two of them. We didn't get, uh, even though Harold McGee is in town, he's not our he's special guest leash. today. He's on, a, he's on a, a leash for the Museum of Food and Drink. More to announce on that in the next couple of months. But we are super pleased to have in the studio with us today Ariel Johnson, who is the, uh, l- the head researcher at MAD with 1D. You want to describe what that is, Ariel? Oh, so MAD is a, started as a symposium and is like a food and food research nonprofit uh, that's run out of restaurant Noma in Copenhagen. Yeah. And, and Noma, it's like a, anyone ever heard of that restaurant? Maybe, just, maybe a few people. Maybe a few people have heard of that restaurant. Um, and also Don Lee. And uh, Don, you want to tell them what, uh, what you do-ish? I currently work for uh, Cocktail Kingdom, doing a little bit of product development and also working on trade education now. Yeah, uh, yeah. More like uh, more like Don is the evil overlord that runs kind of the back, the, the behind the scenes of the way the cocktail like world works. Like that's your his actual title is is evil overlord. That's, right? Yeah, that's the subtitle. Yeah, yeah. The invisible hand. He's actually yeah yeah the invisible hand that feeds uh, or or removes. But he's not an evil overlord. Benevolent. Overlord. Benevolent overlord in the sense that an overlord can be benevolent. In a true uh, kind of a. Aristotelian, Platonic, you know, kind of a philosopher king. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so he runs, he runs, he runs the kingdom for the betterment of. It's aptly named Cocktail Kingdom. Yeah, that is apt. You know, because he you know runs the kingdom. Anyways, Don may or may not also. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Ariel, uh, before she was the uh, the researcher at um, at uh, Mad there in Noma, uh, was a your postdoc there, right? No, no, I was a like PhD student. PhD, so got her PhD from UC Davis, and her uh, thesis was on the bitters, B- bitters, 
correct? Correct. Flavor chemistry. Flavor chemistry, specifically of bitters. Uh, and so uh, we have them on the... We're going to get some... By the way, if you have any questions uh, for this crew, I encourage you to call in to 718-497-2128. That's a 718-497-2128. And uh, because we have no sense of uh, brains, like we, like uh, I didn't heat up water beforehand, um, we're going to be tasting a little bit later on uh, in the, uh, the program this product called Vipova. What the hell does that mean, Vipova? Did anyone read their literature? No. No. Like, I think I think they had some kind of statement that it's about like vitality and something else. Vitality. It's, it's one of those invented words. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Vitality. Mm. I don't know what the pova part. Pova like Pavlova. Maybe Pavlovian. Do you like? Well, I was thinking of like the uh, the. Oh, like the delicious dessert. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like those? Yeah, they're delicious. What do you What are your thoughts? Meringues and fruit and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can't go wrong. You know what's a good word? Like not related, but I'm just thinking of piping stuff out. You know what's a good word? <laughs> Daquas. Daquas. That is a good word. Good word, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ariel may or may not be an expert in the chemistry of what's uh, going on uh, in this. And Don may or may not be an expert. Oh, what is this Vipova uh, stuff? Uh, this Vipova stuff is uh, a legal tea with cannabis extractives in it. And Don may or may not be an expert on cannabis extractives. <laughs> When he is in certain states, jurisdictions, and countries, Wait, now he's, he's an expert. He, now he's Lon D, right? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have another person in the studio. His name is Lon D, and he's going to be discussing his, <laughs> his maybe firsthand knowledge with maybe products uh, like this, right? Yeah, he's yeah. coming soon. Yeah, yeah. He'll be here in a minute. So... Uh, so you guys want to weigh in on exactly what it is that we're going to be tasting here, what this Vipova stuff is? Anyone? 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 <laughs> well, my, my guess is that it's basically like a, they just took some hemp oil, extracted some you know cannabinoid compounds into it, and then put it into the tea in the same way you would make like an Earl Grey tea instead of bergamot oil. It's just some kind of cannabinoid oil. Yeah, they took one of these like low THC strains that you can get um, that's like high in the other cannabinoid compounds and then enriched that via like a fat extraction into tea. Okay, so why do I want that? First of all, is it, is it oh, a I mean, taste thing? Like, do you like the t- If you had had marijuana tea a lot or extractives, do you like the taste of it? I've never actually tried doing a water extraction in the kind of a tea sense because mm. you're not going to extract it because it's uh, oil-soluble. Exactly. So you normally wouldn't do that. Uh, the flavor, though, would be, you know, it just would taste like dried grass mostly. It'd just be bitter. It wouldn't really be a specific kind of a... Like maybe sort of vaguely herbal. Right. Kind of. Like yerba mate? Uh, a little bit more green. Yerba mate? Do you find yerba mate nasty or good? It's okay, but it's it's almost more of a bark kind of a t- a flavor. It's more tannic. Hmm. Hmm. Really? It's not woody. Yeah. It's surprising. That it's like why is compared, it compared to marijuana? I would say. Oh 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 oh. Mate is more. Yeah, mate yeah, is yeah, much yeah, yeah. more. All right. So, why, any ideas, you guys, on why anyone would want this? To have this stuff, it like, says it gets rid of schizophrenia. <laughs> it says it does a lot of things. Well, count me in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh, cancer apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like cannabinoids, as like a class of compounds, tend to have varying different effects on like the brain and your neurochemistry. Um, and where like THC is really good at psychoactive effects, getting you stoned. Um, uh, the cannabidiol has like other less sort of stoning mental effects. L- l- like, well, it's like supposed to help with like anxiety and depression, and can like 
stabilize more like uh, other mental disorders like schizophrenia. Apparently, maybe. Well, just according to their data according, or stuff you've read. Uh, I mean, outside I actually of their data. I googled this this morning, and yeah. there, there's like there's <laughs> a lot of interest in like CBD as uh, as like a therapeutic cannabinoid. Right, right. A lot of interest, but but no, uh, not a lot of uh, studies in except for specific. Oh yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. So did, you know, okay. It acts on like different brain receptors than THC. Right. So is the is the question is is that for those folk that self medicate with marijuana to to get themselves mentally right, which you know we all know, hmm. you know, uh, so is the speculation that's not actually the THC that's helping them self regulate? That's just a side benefit. Well, they might want to be looking for like a high cannabidiol strain rather than a high. No, why not both? Strain. What's wrong with just having both? Well, you could do high both, but why not? Yeah, why, yeah. Not, do, why not do both? Why not do both? <laughs> Indeed, uh, uh, Uncle Sam. That's why. Yeah, he's holding, yeah. Us, he's holding us back. Exactly. So, government conspiracy. So, like uh, the like, uh, do, do this like does this uh, CBD stuff? Now, say what is it? Cannabis? What? Cannabidiol. Yeah. Does this cannabidiol stuff uh, like uh, make you confused at all, or no? Can you operate heavy machinery while you're using cannabidiol? I guess we'll find out. Like, uh, well, I have no heavy machinery to operate. <laughs> I'm sure we can find. We something. can probably get some. Yeah, find some. Jack, you got any heavy machinery over there? Um, I'm, I don't know. Did, would you count recording equipment as heavy machinery? Only if you lift it up and try to throw it over your head and put pretty heavy. Like, yeah. yeah, I can make heavy sounds. I mean, oh my god, do you have one? Maybe we should get one before we go to. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> Does, uh, what's the stuff that makes you hungry after you've uh, smoked up? Is it this stuff? or is I, it th- I don't know. I think it might be THC, though. Oh, that's straight up THC? I, I think, like, the um, this helps, like, counter some of the, like, negative effects of THC, like uh, paranoia and such. So this is not going to make you paranoid? This will not. I don't think so. We'll find out. We'll, yeah, we'll find well, out. Well, but Stas says it takes, like, five hours to kick in, so we'll have to let you guys know next week how we feel. I don't know. I don't know how this works. By the way, so, like, we're not going to have to load up the chopped and screwed version of Mary-Kate and Ashley's uh, pizza song. Pizza. <laughs> I think we should P-I-Z-Z-I. share that with the world, Dave. Pizza. <laughs> That's like I, I just learned about that yesterday. See, I'm so behind on my internet, like, uh, viral videos that, uh, you know. Anyway, we didn't talk about the chicory ice cream last week, right? I didn't get to that I one? did. I did talk about chicory? All right. I like to get, I like to, you sure I got to the chicory? I think so. Jack? Jack, did I talk about chicory last week? I don't remember I don't chicory. think so. Yeah. Yeah, Stiles was just about to, Ellie wrote in and was just about to get nuked because Stiles was like, yeah, I don't care about that question. I don't want you to answer it ever. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, and uh, Ariel, you'll be good on this. Uh, and you ever, you ever do it? You like you, Don, a frequent denizen of New Orleans? Do you enjoy chicory coffee? It's okay. I'm you hate it. it like a good person would. It's <laughs> it's quaint. It's the the custom of uh, you know of New Orleans. So oh, yeah, I'm the same way they'll have a beignet when I'm down there. I don't really look for one up here. I'll have a you know a little chicory coffee with my beignet. Yeah, I think it's na- well. I don't like milk in my coffee, and they dump so much milk into it to make it palatable that like I don't, yeah. Do you know that? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. Okay. Uh, I was recently trying to make chicory ice cream and started off by simmering the milk, turning off the heat, and dumping the ground chicory root in it like I would do when making coffee ice cream. 
Well, that did not go too well, and the milk curdled a bit. I suppose chicory is acidic, question mark. I assume chicory is acidic? Hmm. Right? I don't think it's acidic. I don't think it's that acidic, but Ariel's looking it up for you. Or is it maybe some other reaction that caused the curdling? Maybe a lower heat would not cause this to happen. What is the best way to infuse something like that, uh, ISI, or maybe cold infusion in the fridge for a longer period? Any idea, any idea if there's a listing of some sort of rule or th- of thumb for ingredients that could curdle milk like that and should be infused some other way? By the way, I did not throw away the curdled mur- milk. Merk pizza. Uh, I strained it very well and blended it with 50% sugar by weight. I'm hoping to use it in cocktail experiments and see how it tastes. Any pointers about that? Spirits, methods. Any pointers on that, Don? Like chicory way? Chicory way. Chicory way. way. Uh, it's, if it hadn't curdled, you know, you can do kind of a milk punch thing. Mm. And, I don't know. You could... I mean, worst case, just try, try freezing it and using it as your ice. You can add a little bit without making too but, much chicory flavor. But you turn it into you. a simple syrup. Oh, it's already a syrup, yeah. Shake with it. Shake with it, yeah. Shake see it. what happens. Shake, shake. Like a Polaroid picture. Yeah, shake it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you shake your tail feather. Uh, anyway, my point is is this. Here's your problem. You have many problems. I almost guarantee you. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying it. I mean, in terms of chicory and ice cream. Like, but uh, I think what it is is... Uh, Milk is one of those things that's balancing, like, you know, balancing itself on the edge of curdling pretty much all the time. So if your milk is older and it's had bacteria growing in it for a while, it might be slightly more acidic, which is going to make it more apt to curdle. So you could raise the uh, pH a little bit with a pinch of, and I wouldn't do this, but you could raise the pH a little bit with a pinch of baking soda. Yeah, Ariel, that's going to, not a lot, because if you take it, if you take it too high, it's also going to destate. Like, pro, like mm. milk wants to be in a specific kind of range of pHs, which is where it kind of comes to you in the jug or out of the cow, right? Uh, now, uh, assuming that wasn't your problem or partial, when you're heating it, the milk's going to be less stable. And also, uh, there's a lot of um, like uh, like phenolic compound, polyphenolic compounds in chicory that uh, you know, much like uh, tannins, are going to cause, uh, and it might actually be tannin. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, that are going to cause uh, things to curdle. So the same way that if you make an extraordinarily strong. Uh, infusion of like sumac or any other kind of bark and heat in milk, you can curdle it. So uh, the good news is that you might be able to do exactly what you're doing if you add the sugar first because high sugar concentrations allow you to stabilize. So like, for instance, if you make a 50 – if you do a 50-50 milk uh, uh, sugar thing, you can dump acid into it and it will thicken but it won't break. You know what I mean? Um, because there's just so much sugar that I guess it's – I don't know why. It's just like not allowing the proteins to get together and curdle uh, as yeah, well. Yeah, or like like complexing them in some Doing something. Way. I mean sugar binds water, so proteins bind water and that's how they fold. Right. So if you're assuming that – like a, a typical ice cream base that I would use would have a liter of milk slash cream and would have 170 grams of sugar. So I don't know if that's enough to stabilize it for what you're doing, right? Uh, so you could either do a cold infusion uh, but you, or definitely add – after you add anything, it's going to stabilize like egg yolks or um, – Anything like that. I would just do your infusion after this stuff has been uh, stabilized. Or else just do like a hardcore tincture of chicory and then add it as an alcohol, but it's not too much, so you lower lower the rate. But I, almost certainly you're dealing with, uh, you're dealing with a ta- tannin or other similar kind of like phenolic-y crap, right? Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, I was... Tannin's a phenolic thing, right? Tannin is a phenolic mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and those like bind to proteins. That's how, that's how like astringency happens. And that's... As Mirvel would say, why? That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, why uh, we put milk in our chicory coffee because it's unpalatably 
like uh, like astringent yeah. and, and, and bitter, right? It's astringent and bitter. And the astringency stuff is the stuff that's binding with the milk and getting wiped out, which is why we add milk to tea. And super strong, uh, super strong um, tea in milk, I can get that to curdle in the presence of liquor. So in other words, like things that will – like alcohol destabilizes, mm. acid destabilizes um, – uh, tannins destabilize milk. Heat destabilizes milk. Sugar protects kind of milk uh, to a certain extent. I think egg yolks pretty much pr- protected to a certain extent. Starches can protect anything that thickens the matrix mm. so that the matrix. Anything that thickens it so that the proteins can't agglomerate together is going to stabilize. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it made me think for a second. Like uh, there might be some sort of like plant proteases in chicory so like you can make like a like a thistle or a nettle cheese mm. so then you get like uh, protein curdling via There's, like protein breakdown like a rennet is chicory related to cardoons I or don't other think so that- I mean it might be but I, I have a feeling your your tannin theory might be more correct right but that. it is but true there are there are plants that have enzymes that coital things and so maybe it's there so hey so so liquor boss and bitters boss like uh what uh, any any commercial amaros that uh are chicory based hmm. nothing they know of Not, nothing springs yeah. to mind since you guys well since we know at least don has had chicory coffee in the past five years like, what do you think it would take? Like, do, like, what kind of Amaro kind of base would you want to make with something like that? Would you want to do like a bitters base with it? Is it not a, is it not an interesting enough bitter? Uh, it's it's not that interesting to be honest. Uh, I'd do birch before I would do chicory. Mm. Yeah, birch isn't that bitter though. Yeah, but that's why you add other things to it. It's yeah, but as a bittering agent, you wouldn't use it as a bittering agent. Like, if you're going to do like a, a Southern Amaro, let's say, like a New Orleans Amaro. Yeah, maybe. Like a like a birch and cane syrup and. Right, but it's not nearly as bitter as like quassia or something like that. Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah, but uh, chicory isn't that bitter either. So it's that's yeah. what I'm saying. But the chicory's not as bitter, so like you wouldn't pick it as a straight up bitterant because right. no. you'd use something else that is like bitter. Right. But uh, so if he's got the chicory syrup already, he can do like a cafe brulot if he wants to go kind of New Orleans style. Then you're adding coffee, doing a little like you know, rum flame job. Flame job, yeah, flame stuff. Yeah, is our t- is our uh, tea water hot yet? Oh, I can check. Yeah, so, ooh, Did you, doesn't, doesn't it make a little like happy sound? It's one of those. Japanese is it zojirushi? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, my zojirushi rice cooker at home. I have the induction, the eighteen cup, the one before the pressure. But at the time I got it, which was over a decade ago, it was the highest end one. And uh, Booker, uh, you know, he's on the spectrum, right? So Booker used to not be able to stand the noise of the, the music that the Zojirushi, and so he wouldn't let me cook rice. And so I had to rip, like one day I just ripped open the Zojirushi and like just cut the speaker wire. So now like <laughs> I forget that Zojirushi uh, equipment plays tunes for you when yeah. it's done. I don't even remember what the tune sounds like. Do you remember, you know what a Zojirushi done tune is? I, I have both a rice cooker and a, uh, like the hot water thing, and they play a different tune, but I could not tell you what those tunes are. Oh, so you, sh- but you're, sub- like, you th- do you think subconsciously you know, oh, my tea is ready? Or like, so- or, oh, my, my rice is ready by the tune I, I, it plays? I, well, I never do both at the same time, so. Oh, well, uh, well, assuming you did, like, it should, it should just come out and say, rice. And just <laughs> let you choose the languages, right? Rice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I never remember in uh, I don't know how to say rice in, in uh, Japanese And I never remember which one's rice in Chinese The chow or the fan uh, 
One's fried, one's rice. For the record, I'm Korean, not Chinese. I, well, I know this. <laughs> he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. But, but, uh, noodles are main, right? So uh, chow is the is the uh, the frying, Fry. yeah, and then so the fan must, is, be, must, must be the rice, rice. yeah. And Which, so for completeness in Korean, what is it? Uh, well, it, so in the Chinese character version, it's pan, uh, but it's usually you say pop as the kind of the, the the modern Korean way of saying it. And then in Japanese, it would be uh, gohan, right? Is, is rice? Oh, okay, gohan society. Yeah, yeah nice. All right. Well, it just goes to show how little I know about languages. Okay, uh, is it ready? We are obtaining the correct vessels for brewing tea. And what is the correct vessel for brewing tea? I would imagine a teacup. Teacup. Yeah. Are Are you guys going to do like gong fu cha, chai kind of stuff on this or what? Mm. No. No. Should we play trippy music? Yeah. Uh, when we're drinking it, we should play some trippy music underneath. And I we, think so too. Do you know how long this needs to steep for? Till it's done, yo. <laughs> uh, okay. And uh, Ellie also writes in. P.S. Dave. The uh, Lebanese halawa or halva made from sesame paste and chock full of pistachios kicks that Mexican. Uh, fake halva, which is, you know, remember the, uh, what's that stuff called again, uh, Don? The Mexican, the, uh, I loved it. Halva? I love it. No, it's called, like... Like oh. the, the wedding cookies? No, no, the, the one that's basically, like, peanut paste. Yeah, yeah it's got, the, like, the little rose on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, other than being, oh, right. like, the, the peanut cookie. I don't know, it just went out of my head. It's That stuff's delicious, but Ellie here is saying that, like, real halva kicks the crap out of that peanut stuff, or, like, the Brazilian version... Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Are you a halva? I like halva. It's okay. I'm not a big halva fan. But do you like those peanut that the peanut thing? Occasionally, it's so dry though. It's named after uh, marzipan. It's called mazapan. Mazapan. <laughs> that's what it's called because it's like marzipan, but it's like mazapan. So it's what's hilarious is it's like halva, but named after marzipan, and it's like neither, which is yeah, whatever. Classic. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see, we got uh, any more questions in? Did I handle the one about cook? I handled the one about batching your food, right? The one who wanted to, guy who wanted to cook lean foods or uh, Chris. Yeah, I handled that. Uh, all right, I handled uh, the fermentation. I can't believe it. I, I actually, I actually think I got through. Did I deal with? I dealt with Peggy with uh, from Australia. Her questions, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, okay. Oh yeah. Thank you. Remember that whole yeah. conversation? Yeah, but there's oh, another yeah. Australian. No, no, there's a Pittsburghian. Oh, well, that's for today. That's today. I'm trying to actually get yeah, get yeah, through no, last week's last week's uh, stuff, which I think is uh, you know you like good. I think that, I think yeah. I've done it. Yeah. I think I've done it. All right. So wait, br- br- what milk? We're right. not we're not putting milk in. I'm not putting milk, nor am I putting sugar in. Brew this stuff up. Brew it up. Well, you don't have to. I think the barista was just being nice to you. I don't I don't like <laughs> I, when people are nice yes, to me. I don't nice appreciate day. it. I know you don't. I hate it. All right. Now today's questions uh, from Luke. Hey, all. Uh, can you pass this question on to Dave uh, and the crew? Is it possible... This is a good one, Don, for you. Oh, yeah? Is it possible to make cocktails while you're camping? My question is about ice. How would it be possible to transport and or make ice while camping for a week? Thanks for the great show, Luke. Well, go go uh, hiking on a glacier. That's the easiest way. Uh, exactly, which Don has actually done. Like, Don went camping uh, in an RV, though, so it's RV camping. But yeah. still camping. Still camping. That's another way to do it, have an RV. In Iceland. Yeah, just go, uh, you know, if you go in the winter, you go winter camping, go a mountaineering up in Rainier. It's a glacier. It's always there. Yeah, Lots of course. Of ice, then the they time. probably want the hot beverage. Right. Yeah. Well, well, but that's not the question. That's not, well, presumably that's not the question. Right. The other question is how much stuff can you pack in, right? So it, you can bring ice 
and uh, you can bring ice and then like bury it in a pit in the ground. Uh, and like a you know forty pound block of ice will last a long time buried in a pit in the ground in an in an insulated container. But now you're packing forty pounds of ice uh, in uh, with you. Another thing you can do is uh, you could you could. Does anyone make a, like a spot chiller like with CO two cartridges that? No one does, but if you wanted to take a fire extinguisher with you, you could basically make dry ice in like a pillowcase on the fly. Use that to chill water if you really wanted to. Right, so pre-dilute the stuff and then bring a dry ice bag. Yep. I'm surprised no one makes like a uh, – so a dry ice a dry ice uh, maker attached to a 20-ounce uh, CO2 like air gun bottle mm-hmm. should be able to make on the order of – Seven ounces of dry ice, which is enough to chill like a good bit of cocktail. Right, but you're, now you're carrying all this stuff in. So the real baller move is, you know, like if you're going to go uh, kind of like long distance backcountry Appalachian Trail kind of thing, you have people like leave you supply drops. So you just have a bunch of Sherpas go out multiple days in advance carrying big blocks of ice buried in advance at your campsites, and then when you get to the campsite, you just have to dig it up. Yeah, that's the baller move. That is a baller move. Also, you know, I think if you stick with um, if you stick with uh, drinks that are meant to be uh, enjoyed at warmer temperatures, like old fashioned or something like this, you're not going to get it down to technically to old fashioned. But if you dig a hole that is, uh, by the way, when you're bringing liquor camping, you should always uh, buy the. Uh, they make little uh, bottle sacks. They're like like uh, they're like water bottles that are plastic that hold liquor, and they're incredibly light. And of course, you should only drink boxed wines when you're camping because it's incredibly light to bring boxed wines with you. Jordan is making cocktails on her Burning Man. Yeah, but she's going with an RV. That's yeah, easy. And you, you can buy ice every day there. She said you can. She didn't want to. She wanted to, whatever. I don't want to. Get, she there right now? No. No. It's a. Uh, it's uh, what was it the last weekend of August, first weekend of September, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, the, uh, so the other thing you can do is if you are going to be by a moving body of water, like a river, or a lake uh, that you know has some kind of flow, a deep enough lake. If you are boating in any way, you can just get a mesh sack. You can put all the, everything you want into watertight bottles, like like a Nalgene, drop it in, and then just hang that off the back of your boat. The water temperature will be pretty cold, so you get fairly cold drinks. So even if you have sodas or beers, it's a common way of chilling it if you're on a lake or like on a on a river. That's yeah, and awesome. the lower you go, the cooler it'll go. And if and as, if you're not, if you dig down to about three or four feet underground. Uh, even if you don't hit water, you're probably going to get down to temperatures close to like uh, in the 50s somewhere. And you want a real old school baller, baller, sweet, sweet baller trick. If you um, if you put your uh, bottle in a uh, in a jug, clay jugs are the best. But you put it into a jug, and then you put towels that lean out over it. You'll get wicking and evaporation, and you can basically turn your your bottle into an evap cooler. So if you oh, wrap your bottle in uh, in something that has a water reservoir, so it stays moist, but it wicks up and air moves across it, and keep it in the shade, right. it will poof, it will uh, evaporate off, and you could probably get a good. And if go on any of the old see back, the, the golden age of the camping book was roughly roughly eighteen eighty to roughly nineteen forty. Right, that's the kind of the golden age of the camping book. So you can look up. Uh, there's a 
a guy named Mason who wrote a famous one uh, called Woodcraft. There's a bunch of famous a guy named Sears who's who's uh, went by the you know the pseudo Indian name of Nesmuk wrote one. And all of these folks have these uh, old um, tricks on how to keep things cool. Now they're not going to make ice, but they try to keep things uh, as cool as possible. They're specifically worried about like stuff going bad that's refrigerated, like for instance the animal you just shot in the face. Uh, but. Uh, they all have uh, strategies uh, for, for things like that. Another good way is to go camping in the high desert. It gets pretty cold at night. You get some serious yeah. evaporative cooling there. You could probably get a good temperature delta like 20 degrees or something like that. So, Dave, I'm backcountry camping by Lake Superior next week. So I'll try out some of this stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, you should get a hold of that book, one of those books, Woodcraft. Yep. I think Mason does it. There's another one, a famous guy. I can't remember his name. But they're all published between, like I say, like the, the late 1800s and the, and the 1940s. So they all – they, they – they, they they are prior to the leave no trace model of camping, and so like the first thing they do is fell a number of large trees, <laughs> and, 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 and then like you know like you know have the person who brought your you know you know camp equipment in with you. Like some of them tell you how to trek alone, but also some of them tell you how to do like the old gentleman's camp where you do have people that you hire to carry all your crap in. Right, nice. Like all your cartridges and guns and. It's like burn a thirty foot circle for your campsite. And oh my! Salt the earth when you leave. <laughs> oh, you would not. You would not believe, uh, Ariel. You would not believe. Like the, they're like, if you need to make a, a a fire to cook on, like literally, they fell two giant trees and make a V so that you have like like a larger fire fire as it goes down to a V, and then they fill the entire interior of this like 15, 16 foot long V with logs, light the whole sucker up down to coals, fell another tree to make like cross braces for like spits I mean it's just they're freaking bananas these folks are bananas and they have people carrying like large cast iron remember like things like Dutch ovens used to be camp camp equipment yeah yeah would you carry one of those things into the woods? <laughs> no, you would not. No, you would not. Car camping. Car, car camping or like hi- camping. hired people camping. You know what I mean? That's glamping. Glamping, yeah. Glamping. glamping. Yeah, but it used to just be like the way you did it. But then the, then there was like the nutbags, like the, the muirs and whatnot who would just like, you know, go out there. The, this guy, Nesmuk, I told you about, he was one of the uh, original like uh, canoe portage guys all around the Adirondacks up in upstate New, uh, New York. And he had someone build him like a, a traditional Native American bark canoe. He was a small guy. He was a very small guy. So he could get away with a short kind of a canoe, a small canoe. His canoe, I think, weighed uh, like under 15 pounds. And so he just, you know, would just like... Like, you know, go out with that and, like, his backpack and, uh, you know, and chill. People, you know, you can't really do that anymore. It doesn't really, I don't know. This yeah. stuff looks weird, man. This stuff's got emulsified so crap like in the, it. So, the tea bags have this sort of, like, greasy, greenish color to them. And then as soon as you put the tea bag in the, in the water, it becomes kind of cloudy. Does it, is there any actual tea in it? It does have a bitter <laughs> it does, back to it. It does have tea. It has real tea in it. Yeah, it tastes kind of, I was going to say, it tastes somewhat like tea. It tastes like tea. Yeah. Well, it's been it's, it's been brewing for tea. like four and a half minutes now. So. You've been brewing for four and a half minutes now. Not Don's. Don no, I took mine out immediately. Wait, are you drinking oh, it? Okay. Yeah. Are, are you oh, yeah, drinking well, it, Jack? Well, he's no, I'm the not. There's two. Oh, do you want one, Jack? Sorry. No, no, no. I mean, oh, I, yes, oh, I, yes, I do, no, but oh, I, I should I, not. I'm I'm working. Yeah. Like we're not. Like we're not working. All right, I'm I'm sipping this. This. Oh. Oh. How much of this do I have to drink to get anything? Well, you have the packet. You have, like, the... 
I think the, the bottom line is you're materials. not actually going to get high ever. Well, I, I don't think you're well, going to. It no, says there's no psycho. No. Well, there's got to be psychoactive. Why, why am I doing it if there's a... Why? Because why? Because of the... Why? Well, the, 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 the other... The other... Why? Other <laughs> hey. It's like, you know, it's like... It's like, uh, it's like O'Doul's. All of the beerness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With none of yeah, the beerness. Exactly. No, but like, in other words, this stuff... See, what's it called? I, I'm, in my head, it's... it's I'm saying... Uh, uh, CJD, which is Jakob's Kreutzfeldt disease, which is not what we want to see. <laughs> no. C, exactly, CBD. This has supposed to have some sort of benefit for me, right? I'm supposed right, to vibe, my pove is supposed to get vibed up. It's, it's, like yes. it's, a, it's like homeopathy, though. It's, you know, it's going to make everything better. There's no science behind that. Is it, I don't know. Is there, well, I don't know. Like the, I, I don't know. Like someone's got to call in. Someone's got to read. What do you think, though? What do you think? Do you like the flavor of it? It's not very good tea. First criticism. Second of all, I mean, it definitely tastes like the like the cannabis oil. Uh, oh, I don't like that flavor. It's not. Jack, it's, you don't like that flavor? No. By the way, I've learned a lot about Jack. And when, he, when we're going to drink that, this is uh, like that's the music that he puts on. Like I was thinking more like, see, I'm, I'm not a user, right? I was thinking more. Like, <laughs> I was thinking more like Pink Floyd metal. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going. Was it chop you into little pieces? <laughs> you know that song? <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Any of you guys listen to that old style Pink yeah. Floyd stuff? Yeah, it's sometimes. Good. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. And to go with the royalty free, also, you know. Yeah, oh, that is. Oh, true. yeah, yeah. Mm. Do you think Pink Floyd's gonna like really get on our case for telling people that we're some one of these days we're gonna chop them into little pieces? I mean, Roger Waters. Yeah, I could see it happening. Wow, wow, calling him out. Yep. All right, let's take a commercial break, and we'll come back see whether we're not we're uh, psychoactively affected yeah. on the cooking issues. <laughs> there. It's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets. White Leghorn, Red Wattle, Bourbon Red, Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's Heritage Turkey, Japanese Steaks, Berkshire Pork, or Navajo Churro Lamb Chops is the righteous kind from healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts. It's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at... And we're back. And we're back. Oh, by the way, I like how you cut him off right when he was going to say to visit our website. He got high. He got high. I got high. Yeah. I got high. Uh, it was heritagefoodsusa.com. Speaking of... That was the website. Yeah. Speaking of website, uh, like pretty soon you guys are going to be able to... What's it called? Live? What are you going to live? They're going to be able to live do? So many things. There's a forum. The new can... website's really awesome. Yeah. The live stream, you can... Th- there'll be a chat. So you can like actually chat us live. I'll, I'll have it all pulled up here. So, you know, you can harass us, ask us questions, make comments, and then uh, I can pass those on to Dave. Right. So the way it'll work is, is like, let's say, I'm not saying you're doing this, but let's say you're at your place of uh, work and you have the headphones on, which, by the way, when I was a kid, you couldn't do that crap. You couldn't put headphones on when you're at work, you know. 
Anyway, let's say you have your headphones on. In at your, your children's in, workplace? At your, yeah, yeah, your cubicle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, you have them on, and you're listening to us, but you can't call in, but you want to say – so you, you, what you do is you'll stream crap in. Jack will see it, and you'll be like, hey, Jack, tell all those idiots that they're wrong. They're morons. And he'll say, uh, you know, blah, blah, who's he much at blah, blah, says that you are, you know, idiots, right? And then you that's can – That's what will happen, yeah. That's exactly how it's going to work. And uh, there's, all, there's other benefits to this new website that you guys uh, helped pay for. Is this true or false? True. One hundred percent true. Yeah, um, I have a caller. Oh, all right, caller, you are on the air. Hi, this is Jess. Um, hi, Dave. Hi, Don. Hey, Jess. How's it going? Hi, good. Um, my question is kind of for both of you, um, Don. I I know you and I got in a very intense conversation in New Orleans um, in regards to categories of food, and I just wanted to know, kind of Dave's perspective. Um, we got in a pretty intense argument about um, if a quesadilla it falls under the category of a sandwich. And I just wanted to know <laughs> what Dave thinks. Okay, listen. 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 Uh, okay, okay, okay. i got to calm down here. Let's, <laughs> let's, just, let's look at this in a, from a number of different perspectives, okay? Define sandwich, Don. I believe a sandwich involves... Two things of starch. Oh, 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 rice? Something in between. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Squished rice? Not letting him all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Arranged horizontally. I think you okay, can make so things with rice crackers. Oh, no, 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 no. That is a... No, 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 no. No, no. You could make a. You could make a. What is it? A, a ma- Ritz, Ritz crackers with peanut butter. Is that a freaking sandwich? <laughs> Is matzah with peanut butter in between a sandwich? A, you know what an Oreo is? A sandwich cookie. Not a sandwich. So sandwich is an adjective as well as a noun. Sandwich is a category of, 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 the, of the way you stack. First of all... It could be a bad sandwich. No, no, no. First of all... Sandwich you don't want. Sandwich is... Sandwich is made... Here, here's... Sandwich is with bread. 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 Once, once again, I go, I go to the matzah example then. It is the, the, the bread of suffering. It is the, you know... Are you going to deny the Jews their bread when they're running away from the Egyptians? Two pieces of pizza flipped on themselves. Are they a freaking sandwich? <laughs> Only if there's something in between, but it's not so pizza. Is a calzone a sandwich? No, because it's oh, round. It's calzone. What? It's like it's like a burrito. What? Burrito definitely not a freaking sandwich. Clearly, much like a wrap. Oh, oh, a oh. calzone. Oh yeah, wait, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Quesadilla not then because it's it's folded. Okay, here's the question then. What about a freaking if if you if you were down to the last slice of bread and you wanted to make a sad grilled cheese and you folded that last piece of bread in half with cheese and you made it on a griddle, is that still a grilled cheese? If you believed in God, you would cut the bread in half rather than fold it. <laughs> but or even if you were an atheist with like a iota of self-respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it, but I don't know that this folded thing. For instance, a lobster roll is a sandwich, and it's oh, made on a split bun. Definitely not. It's a freaking sandwich. Is a hot dog a sandwich then? Obviously not. I mean, it, in other words, it is a sandwich, but it gets its own category, right? It gets its own category. No, the only the only thing that gets its own category is a hamburger. Hamburger gets its own freaking category. Hot What's dog, a patty melt? What's a patty melt? It's a kind of hamburger. Pat- My question whoa, is: whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it now a matter of horizontal versus vertical? And how you actually consume? How would you construct a vertical quesadilla? No, the, 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 the hot dog is vertical, or or long. Oh, then the, is split, the split, the split in the bread is vertical, is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. 
So whereas a Italian sausage, so you when know, on a, on so a when you buy a crappy horizontal. when you buy a crappy hot dog freaking bun and you open it too much to toast it because you're one of those people that toast their freaking hot dog buns right and it breaks into two and you hand them that crippled hot dog that falls through the thing is it now a freaking sandwich? No, so you have be- to hold it sideways. No, because if it's fallen through, it's still vertically stacked. It's not horizontally well, stacked. So, but then if you have to like if rotate, turn, it, if you, 90 if you rotate degrees, it 90 degrees, yeah. now then it's a sandwich? Now, now, you, now you have a failure of a hot dog. So the Oxford Dictionary, what do we think? An item of food consisting of two pieces of bread. Two pieces. Mm-hmm. With meat, cheese, or other filling in between them. Eaten as a light meal. <laughs> so, what the hell? So, so would you say that it's Oxford? That, that it's it shows what they know. Is, Oxford, is by the way, not a sandwich? Oxford English Dictionary, world-renowned for being crappy when it comes to definitions of food or <laughs> etymologies related to food yeah. or historical timelines related to food. So world-renowned for being the worst. Where should he go? Where should he go? To life. To life. <laughs> <laughs> the company Subway, right? Do they manufacture sandwiches? A sub is a subcategory of sandwich, yes. Even though they're not split all the way in two anymore? Look, in the old days, they would take the knife and they would go, shippy, 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 and rip the V out, and then the V would be a pseudo top to it. Now, they just slice it in half because they're too inept to use the V slice anymore, and that's why if you get a Subway now versus a Subway 15, 20 years ago, it used to be you could eat them without it spraying all over the inside of everything, and now everything sprays everywhere because it's just so nasty. I have no idea how you eat a Subway sandwich that's spraying everywhere. (laughs) Because I get lots of toppings. I enjoy mayonnaise and mustard. And so, like, this stuff, like, they, they put it at the end, and it freaking extrudes out of the side. Like, the most important thing in sandwich is not the definition. It's the construction, the layering that goes into a proper sandwich. It's true. It's true. The worst thing you can do somebody is to silo their uh, burrito. Have you ever done this as a joke? No, what is it? When you, give them, when you make a burrito for somebody, you make them in silos of all the different ingredients the, the wrong way. No, but that shows why a burrito is a piece of crap. <laughs> because it's got this too much freaking, like, I want my rice and beans separately. I want a small object, like, that I can consume. Burritos, burrito, first of all, uh, like, a burrito is an inferior chimichanga, Right? And an inferior – it's like an inferior – it's an inferior product, no? It's an inferior product. I agree. Yeah. What do you think, Ariel? Inferior to what? Well, like for instance, like it would be better just if you deep fried it and turn it into a chimichanga. That's true. I would always rather have like two or three tacos than a burrito. Oh, 100% of the time. Yeah, 100%. I'd rather have taquitos than a burrito. Yeah. I'd rather have enchiladas even though it's totally different than a burrito. And I would, ra- I would rather have a quesadilla frankly than a burrito. But is it a sandwich? Quesadilla? Here's another thing. Like, is, a, is an open-faced sandwich, even though it's called open-faced sandwich, a sandwich? Yes. Not according to the Oxford English idiots. I would say yes, because the normal form is closed, and you have to denote that it has been opened. But it doesn't serve – they don't Whereas, serve it with next But don't a sandwich you have to eat with your hands? Ooh. Here's an interesting question. Mm. Bill de Blasio would say you can eat anything with a knife and fork, oh, including boy. pizza. <laughs> well, like in – wrong about that. In, in Denmark, where I usually live, we have, like, open-faced sandwiches, uh, see, I smorgabrod, you, which I, are impossible to eat with your hands. You, but like, a, literally but a smorgas cannot. smorgas is never meant to be a closed sandwich that you may or may not open. A smorgas is always open. Oh, yeah, smorgabrod is always, always open. open. It is the ne- the normal form of a smorgas is already open. Yeah. So you didn't take a sandwich and open it to make a smorgas. It always. But then, if open. you ask a Danish person what a smorgasbord is, they're oh, open face sandwiches. But why would you ask Wait, that, a Danish person that? They're just being polite. They're trying to translate <laughs> it because they all speak English and they're not worried about the like the, the the nicety, the fine points of the language, right? I mean, right? We got a tweet in. This is why. This well, is like what's this tweet about sandwiches? It's, it's, our, it's our buddy Elliot. He says sandwich argument, same as pretzel argument. A sandwich is one thing; everything else subcategory. 
Well, well, the pretzel argument to me is there's no such like a pretzel rod is not a freaking pretzel. It's a pretzeloid. <laughs> like <laughs> so sandwichoids, maybe. It, it, okay, here so is quesadilla a pretzel. Pretzel. Eh, well, yeah. In other words, it's like is Pluto a planet? Nah, it's planetoid. I mean, it's in the same realm. Although I don't, I don't really think of anything with unleavened bread, sorry, matzo base sandwiches as like like the actual hardcore category to me. It has to be mm. leavened. So anything that with a a tortilla base or like a roti is not a sandwich. Uh, like like anything that's got an unleavened bread base to me is not really technically how I think of a, a, as a sandwich. To me, it has to be kind of a leavened bread base. Um, I think it can be opened or closed as long as you uh, designate it. I think it's like anything else. It's like pornography. I know it when I see it. You know what I mean? It's like a sandwich is – you can just tell what it is. But a pretzel is super freaking clear. A pretzel, okay, uh, a pretzel is a a wheat dough that contains no oil. You hear that? Bachmann's. Uh, Pretzel contains no oil, right? It's usually made with a sourdough kind of a leavening technique. It is rolled into a – uh, into a tube shape, twisted into a pretzel shape, right? It is a pretzel shape, right? Uh, it is then uh, cooked in an alkali solution briefly. To get, and if it's not cooked that way, then it is a pretzel-shaped piece of bread, right? And then you can either cook it hard or soft. And you can have it with salt because you like things that are good or without salt because you're a bad person. Or sometimes sugar. Some idiots dip it in butter, but I don't like that. Do you like that style? This soft pretzel dipped in butter? Mm, it's not my favorite. Hey, here's one. I mean, I like butter, but... Okay, like, bagels clearly... A ba- here's the interesting one. Is a bagel a sandwich? Mm. When you cut it open? A, a bad sandwich. I don't believe in eating bagel top and bottom together. We've had this discussion. You shouldn't. You so should, no, it's you, a, should. you could make a bad sandwich. Yeah, I've heard people like say that I'm bad because they like to eat their bagel top and bottom. Because yeah, they like time. all the fillings to squeeze out yeah, and get the, ruined. Yeah, but those people are just wrong. We yeah. all know that. Well, I think the reason is is because they're eating a bagel that has no backbone, no structure. So there's like if you so have they a bagel, twist the bagel to get any of the effect. Yeah, like a bagel should be eaten with like open. Whatever you have on it should be open. Yeah, it should always be open. Always. Now, an egg sandwich on a bagel? You're opening that up? No, that's wrong. You should never put an egg sandwich in a bagel. Oh. Yeah, be egg a, sandwich a Kaiser roll. roll. Come on. <laughs> 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 Jack, how long have you been in New York? Egg sandwich goes on Kaiser roll, hundred percent of the time. Unless I say one like of those... one out of every five times, I go for the bagel. What? Yeah, you you one out of every I five times. I get an egg sandwich. First of all, first of all, in my mind, I have that nasty, sallow, like uneven bagel in my head that you get at the joint that's making the egg sandwich. That thing's just an abomination, anyway. That was made like eight years ago. That bagel. Blech. Yeah. Blech. What do you think about the croissant sandwich? I mean, the croissant sandwich. Slicing a croissant open and putting something inside is a long tradition. Uh, is it a sandwich? No, it's a pastry. Ooh. Oh. Mm. 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 Different thing. Anyway, like I was saying, like there, there, there are things like uh, for or against. I would like if I said, if I said, let's have sandwiches, and someone handed me a hot dog, I'd get angry. <laughs> If someone said, let's have sandwiches, and they handed me a quesadilla, I would, I, would, I would tell them to go to hell. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's just, like, honestly what would happen. If someone handed me something that's, like, closer to a sandwich, frankly, if, someone, if I said I want a sandwich and they handed me an open-faced sandwich gravy poured all over it, like a piece of toast, some freaking, like, shredded dry-as-hell turkey and gravy on the top, I'd be like, I asked for a freaking sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here's my question. I think we've done this before. BLT season coming up, people. And by the way, by the way, 
I had some of Nastasia's tomatoes on my first BLT of the season. They were delicious. Thank you, Nastas. Yeah. Uh, BLT sandwich. Do not let people make their own BLT sandwiches because they will not put mayonnaise on both the top and the bottom piece of toast. Do not over-toast your BLT so that your mouth becomes excoriated from the BLT <laughs> as you chew on it. It's true. Do not make a BLT from a bread with too much structure. This will ruin the effect of a BLT sandwich. Do not make a BLT with some wimpy kind of like fancy Dan lettuce that doesn't have good crunch. My preferred BLT lettuce is iceberg. Crap on all of you. Anyone, anyone going to come out against me on this? What do you use? No, I think that's correct. All right. A good tomato, right, and like three strips of good bacon, salt, pepper, that's it. You should also salt the tomato separately, Mm. and you should pepper the mayonnaise on each side of the bread. Amen. That is how you make a freaking BLT sandwich. What about a refrigerated tomato? Oh, my God. you got to get Daniel Christmas. <laughs> All right, listen. 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 Get out. Ah! Uh, we have uh, – uh, listen, Nastasia told me uh, we're going to get kicked off the air soon. Hey, what are your thoughts on this cannabinoid tea, by the way? Cannab- what is it? Cannabidiol what? Like cannabidiol. Cannabidiol. Sounds like cannabic, cannabic. Uh, you like it or not? You're um, you feeling anything? I'm not, I'm not feeling anything. I'm, I'm thumped down. It's a, it doesn't make the tea taste any better. Like adding no. bergamot to tea makes delicious Earl Grey. Adding cannabin whatever oil to, uh, to the tea makes it taste like muddy something. But it's a functional thing. It's a functional thing. I'm, I'm feeling no function from this tea. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're not supposed to. Anyway, listen. Nastasi tells me that we're going to be on hiatus for a month because we're going on hiatus for a month while they sit. And when we come back from the hiatus, the new website will be up and running and you can live tweet us now. So let me try to rip through a couple questions like inst- like in- instantaneous fashion. Zach from Pittsburgh writes in, how you doing? Pittsburgh is the place to go if you like races, huh? It comes from an earlier thing because someone said that to me. Ooh. I doubt it is much different than any other city. There are good people here and bad. Our food scene is getting a lot better. It is pretty nice. Check it out sometime. I'd like to. Food questions. Why can't restaurants handle fresh cut French fries? So many places like to talk up their fries. But then you get them and they look great, but in reality they're undercooked, floppy, waxy, and bad. A good French fry shouldn't be so hard to pull off, especially when it's probably your most served food item. To me, it is a sign they just don't care about quality. Well, that's right. Uh, it actually is more difficult than most people are willing to take on to make a good French fry. It's not dif- it's not difficult in the sense that you don't need to have a PhD to do it, and you don't need to be uh, you know a rocket scientist. But you do need to do more steps than most people want to do to make a good French fry. Even if you don't use the enzymes or any other stuff, requires at least two uh, at least. Uh, one boil step, at least a dry step, and a single fry, and then probably a free step, and then a fry. Hmm. So if you're not willing to do all that crap, like with a soak beforehand, you know, use some sort of soak, whether or not you use the enzyme or not. So like you're talking about a several hour prep, and you do it. So most people are like, I'm going to make a high quality French. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Orita, right, or whoever you're buying your French fries from when you're buying Cisco, whatever it is, like, yeah, yeah, most of the stuff they make is direct compared to what could be made at home, but they have a lot of research time and decades of french fry under their belts, right? And also frying french fries from frozen turns out to be a good way to get good uh, crust texture. So Mm. I often, depending, especially if I can't do my enzyme treatment, I will freeze my fries because for a quality reason, right? So you're going up against, it's like trying to make ketchup. Like Heinz does a good job. You know what I mean? So you, in order to do a better job, you have to actually put in more work than you'd think. And most people who make their own French fries simply don't know how to do it or they don't care. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, we have one more I want to uh, uh, get in before we go. Uh, let's see, one more. Hold on a second. Uh, 
okay, you ready for this? This is a complicated one. Uh, we have a call. By the way, the best uh, Twitter th- thing, a Jew's Bush. A Jew, Instagram. A, a, <laughs> Instagram. A Jew's Bush. He's, or, uh, I guess he's <laughs> Orthodox. David Statman, he's Orthodox. So anyway, he wants to use the Sears all on Sabbath, right? So uh, here's the thing. He's like, you're allowed to transfer a flame, but you're not allowed to make a flame. So the Burns-O-Matic TS-8000 that we use, you press the button, click, 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 right? And it causes the frame, and he's flame. And so he's saying the button's the problem, right? And then, but transferring the flame is okay. So he wants to get a different torch and, uh, and pass, uh, basically, just turn the gas on and pass the, the flame to the sears all that way. My feeling is, uh, David, now I'm no rabbi. But my feeling is, just saying, no are, rabbi. Are you, are you sure? Pretty sure. But my feeling <laughs> is that uh, you are not allowed to turn the valve on. Can anyone do that? Can, Jack, like, while, we're, while we're signing out, can you do a quick uh, search on whether or not you're allowed to open and close valves on the Sabbath? Yes. Yeah. I don't believe you're allowed to open and close valves on the Sabbath. It sounds dubious. Yes. I don't, because I would believe that that's the functional equivalent of a circuit, and you can't turn circuits off and on. Mm. Anyways, so my feeling is you're going to be shafted uh, on, on the valve. Now, what you could do, what we could do, is you could hook uh, – no, don't do this. It's incredibly unsafe. Please don't do this. But you could hook up a timer to turn on a torch at a specific time, uh, including the piezo ignition. And as long as you set it up right at the right time, you could do it. Another option is that you, could fi- you need to go read Alan Dundas's book, uh, The Sabbath Elevator. Okay, there's a whole book on the Sabbath elevator by a guy named Alan Dundas, who, interesting in life, found uh, interestingly found out only about things like the Sabbath elevator uh, late in his life. He's a folklore expert, even though he's actually uh, he's, he's Jewish, but he just didn't know much about it. I guess I don't know why he's not, not doing the research. And uh, he uh, did a bunch of uh, stuff on when it is okay to use uh, you know the uh, the uh, Sabbath goy, right? Yeah. So, for instance, in the elevator, like technically, you know, I can push the button for you because I'm a goy. Although you got to make sure that I'm not Jewish because if I'm Jewish but not practicing, like that's not cool. But you're not technically supposed to be like, hey, dude, can you press that button? They just have to know to do it, right? Hmm. So you have to pre-hire the goy to show up. Invite a goy to dinner on Sabbath. This is my plan. (laughs) Invite a goy to dinner on Sabbath and tell them like, you know, when you get here – uh, when you get here, it might be nice, like when I lift my hand in the air, if you were to take my TS-8000, ignite it, and depress the button that keeps it on. And then they could do that, and then you could sear with it, and then you'd be like, and then they would know that when you put it down, you'd be like, and when I put the thing down, it might be nice if it didn't stay on and burn my house down. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sears all goy. Sears all goy. No valves. No valves. See, you're gonna have to go with the Sears all goy. Yeah. Sears all goy. We'll come back in one month. Cooking issues. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.